0: And thanks for tuning in to episode 43 of the Matt Matt O Scale Trains podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rochford. And with me, as always, are my co hosts. Co hosts, uh, so, sorry, I, I Matt. You finish. Uh, co hosts, so I think that's the first time it's ever happened. Uh, co hosts, sound off,
1: Matt Zuha and johnny nugent matt you are so excited you you just jumped the gun you don't really want to wait for the <laughs> I intro did. i i did
2: i am so excited man i'm like the Pointer <laughs> sisters over here so
0: you know what matt you're fired
2: <laughs> it's am it's, oh, it's officially three, uh, three strikes you for please. sure
0: <laughs> uh no this is you are you are right on uh matt Z. this is going to be an awesome episode uh, and, uh, if you want to listen to all of our awesome episodes, you can on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon music. Uh, I believe we're on iHeartRadio now. There's a whole bunch of new ones that we're on. If you can find a social media app, uh, that does podcasting, we are probably on it. So feel free to subscribe to us, uh, on any medium that you want to. So, um, and, uh, Of course, we have to talk about our merch. Uh, If you want something with the Matt Matt Podcast logo on it, uh, please feel free to hit our website link. That'll be in the notes. And if you use our code, which is M-A-M-P-O-D, you will receive 10% off. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Trains.com. If you are looking for a great deal on used and new model railroading products and want top-notch service, then please head over to Trains.com where they have over 120,000 products with new ones added every day. You can also sign up for their newsletter to see newly listed and newly discounted products and receive advance notice of upcoming promotions. Now, I've been using Trains.com myself as well as my co-hosts, and we highly recommend them to our listeners.
1: Now, if you're like us and you're always on the lookout for your next engine, join the Trains Rewards program to earn points on every purchase and unlock future discounts. And if you're an avid collector and want first dibs on new items, sign up for the private car membership to get early access to new listings, earn five points per dollar spent, and unlock great benefits like no questions asked returns.
2: Now, guys, don't forget that uh, you'll need parts to keep your engines and cars operating smoothly. And to do this, Trains has a collection of 15,000 plus parts available on their website for any item you may need. And also, if you're interested in downsizing your collection or know someone who is unfortunately leaving the hobby, Trains also buys collections. So head over to sellmytrains.com to get a quote. And Trains makes it easy to sell your collection.
0: Now, if you do plan on buying from them please use our affiliate link, which is www.trains.com MMOP. You can also use our unique one-time promo code MMOP for $10 off a single purchase on the trains.com website. All right, now let's talk about tonight's episode. Well, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest. We have none other than Mr. Mike Regan from TW TrainWorks and the mth parts in sales. So Mike, welcome to the podcast.
3: Hi. Uh it's Reagan, but it's Reagan. cool. I'll be whatever you want me to be. Reagan Jones Franklin Frank Frank Mount, whatever, whatever you need. I'm right. that guy.
0: Well, I'm, I guess I'm I'm firing myself now cuz I got the, the the guest's name wrong. So
3: I'm the sole host now.
0: Here, it's you, huge honey. Oh.
3: Johnny, Johnny, look, man! You had forty-two, forty-two flawless episodes. So don't get cocky. <laughs> <laughs> I was only here for a part of them, too. So, oh well, then take whatever number you've been here for and subtract it from forty-two, and that's how many good ones you have a job left for. <laughs> two guys are gone.
0: Oh wow! Just like just just like that, one, two, we're out, Matt. So let's, I guess we'll just that's start it. a new. I guess we'll start a new podcast. So uh Mike uh, again thank you so much for uh being on the podcast here tonight and just you know we, people's time is precious and um we just uh you were definitely on our our sites to get you on here and start talking about the industry uh, especially with TW Trainworks and then of course obviously uh the new MTH parts and sales
3: well, cool. I'm glad someone's looking forward to having me on board.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, well, thanks, uh, Mike. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Thank absolutely. You over.
2: Big thanks. This is, is going to be fun.
0: All right. Well, I am just going to get started. Uh, and, um, you know, I kind of ask this for all our guests, and this may not be applicable to you, but um, how did you get started in O-Scale or even Model railroading? <laughs>
3: Wow. So uh, my dad has been a my dad has been an HO HO scale brass collector for well heck I don't know how long but I can tell you at least forty nine years because that's what I was born into was his uh, his affliction for HO scale brass um, so you know growing up. Uh, always had trains. Uh, was always around them. Obviously went to all the train shows with my dad growing up. And then, you know, when I was when I was in middle school, high school, I was I was into HO because, I mean, let's face it, O gauge at that time was was pretty dismal in terms of selection. I mean, you you had the you had the postwar Lionel era, and and you had the offerings from uh, from Lionel in the in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, and. You know, unless you grew up with Lionel trains as a kid in the in the fifties, you know you, you pretty much weren't you pretty much weren't buying Lionel. So I was an HO guy, and then uh, let's see, uh, graduated high school, went to basic training, AIT, went to the army, did the National Guard thing for a while, and quickly realized I was not a fan of civilian authority. So it became. Immediately apparent that I needed to work for myself. So, uh, uh, I got a, I got a gig building a, building a 900 square foot train layout for a guy in, in Canfield, Ohio. So that was my, my first layout building gig. And that morphed into, uh, that morphed into several things. I morphed into, uh, he was a land developer and he wanted to buy this giant tract of land uh, in Mahoning County, Ohio. And on this tract of land was a train store. And part of the deal was he couldn't buy the land unless he took the train store. So cue the sucker, uh, AKA me, uh, agreed to, uh, agreed to run this train store while he developed the land. So that's where that was back in, that was back in 96. We started the train store and that morphed into, uh, uh, that morphed into train America studios, um which then morphed into line L and uh, from there TW train works and then subsequently MTH parts and sales so yeah uh basically to answer your question a long uh, a long series of bad decisions in rapid succession
2: okay. <laughs> gotcha <laughs> Let's. I, let's uh, I wonder where I've heard that before.
3: <laughs> well, that's because you haven't heard my story before. I'm pretty much the only guy that says that. Now, if you, get, if you get Rich Foster on the podcast, he'll tell you he is the humblest guy in the train industry. That's not my line. I just. I, I've just made a long series of bad decisions in rapid succession, and it's landed me here. Gotcha. <laughs> cool.
0: Let's let's actually head over to uh, to TW Train Works. Can you tell us like what um, how you got associated with them and perhaps like what you do at uh, TW Trainworks?
3: When I got to Lionel in 2008, uh, TW Trainworks was uh, was uh, doing all of the um, doing all the display layouts for uh, for for Lionel. Right. They, they were doing the, the showroom layout. They did the. Um, you know the giant layout that showed up at York and the in the new booth back in 2008 and and was doing the was doing all of the the layout display layouts. Jer- Jerry Calabrese uh, grew up in New York City and Roger Farkash grew up in New York City and I, I don't know the two of them uh, went to school at the same high school or ate at the same Italian restaurant. I'm not really sure how it works, but you, you know that that's as you go through life, you'll realize that you know it's not what you know; it's who you know. So at any rate, Jerry gets a, gets a hold of Roger and the two of them work something out and they're, they're making, uh, or Roger's making layouts. So I get to my first York under the Lionel uh, logo in, in 2008 and I immediately jump in and start helping them set up the layout and, and Farcash is like, you know, who are you and what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm the new service director at Lionel and I'm helping you do your job and that was that, that was the first time that farcash and i had met and uh, uh, so fast forward to 2016 i uh, i leave Lionel, the the press release hits the hits the news and and uh, i get one text message from farcash and it says i'm going to texas davy crockett and that's all it was one text message so i uh, picked the phone up and i called farcash and i said well what are you thinking buddy and he says, well, we should, we should join forces. I says, all right, that sounds fun. I says, I can, I could go back to building train layouts again. That's where I started. So, uh, you know, he says, when are you moving to Texas? And I said, uh, no, I'm not moving to Texas. I says, I'm, I'm very comfortable in North Carolina. I'm not leaving. So we started, uh, TW train works East coast. And, uh, basically what do we do? We, we design, cut, and manufacture uh, custom building kits. We obviously do layout design, uh, custom layout construction, and installation, and maintenance. Um, uh, I mean, geez, oh man, we do we, we do a lot at TW Train Works. Primarily, the the bulk of our business is custom custom model railroads. You know, custom three rail layouts um or at least we try to focus on three rail you know we've done some american flyers, some ho some large scale but o gauge is really our bailiwick so uh um you know they they design and build layouts in dallas and i design and build layouts uh, here in my shop in north carolina so what what do i do um everything but social media um you know from layout design to uh, i also don't estimate so i I don't i don't do social media and i don't estimate we got an estimator in, in dallas that does that and dorsey aka train dame she does all the social media outside of that i do everything else i do design um model building uh carpentry finished carpentry scenic carpentry scenic painting uh all the electrical, uh, track laying, uh, sculpting, uh, when I say sculpting, you know, all the, all the carving of the mountains. That's uh, it's a, that's a talent I just recently acquired within the last couple months because up until, up until this layout, I just delivered, um, uh, a week ago this past Sunday, uh, I would tell everybody that I can't sculpt. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I, I had to learn the hard way. So, I learned the hard way. I've got to figure it figured out. And now I can, now I can carve. So there's pretty much, um, pretty much nothing in the, in the TW train works world that uh, that I don't do here in North Carolina, where everyone else is in, is in Dallas. Gotcha. And I have spoken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is, that is really interesting. So, uh, I have not touched the sculpting part yet. It's actually I actually have some material to start doing it. It's definitely next on my uh, skill list, so to speak, to start doing. I'm a little hesitant for it, but I think in order to get something done, you just got to dive in and say, well, this is going to come out really bad or it's going to come out really good or somewhere in between. And it's it, I'll chalk it up as a learning experience, I guess.
3: Yeah, well, the, the best free advice I can give you is you know, once you spend five to seven hours sculpting or carving something and it doesn't look just right, don't be afraid to take your steak knife and start chipping away at it and start over, uh, because that happens quite a bit. Um, you know, you, 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 you look, you stand, you, you're, you're up close, you're, you're, you're carving away and, you step back and you're like, man, that line doesn't look good. Or I don't have the right contour. So you get up there with your paint scraper and your steak knife and you start hacking it all at crap, so, you know, and you start over. So yeah, that's good fun.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and um, a, little, a little defeating, but good fun. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> like, so how long does it take? And obviously you can just give us a super estimate and, uh, uh, so let's just say you have a, a 12 by 12 layout that somebody requests, right? And yeah, they want a, a trap door in the middle or something like to do like a moderately detailed layout. Like, what do you think? Like how long would that take? You think?
3: I, I can tell you exactly. Right. So, so I'm not going to do 12 by 12. So, okay. so right now the next layout on deck is 10 by 30, Okay. right? It's going to take, it's going to take, um, Roughly two and a half to three months to do a ten by thirty layout myself, right? Okay. And and now the base the the base construction was done in Dallas to speed me up because the the last layout I, I just talked about the liver and that that took a little bit longer. Part of my uh, recovery from COVID and some other some other medical issues, but um, the uh, this ten by thirty layout um, from the from the construction of the tabletops all the way to completion and this is all this is all ross custom switches legacy dcs um completely scenic um oh i don't remember the cubic i don't remember the cubic footage of uh, of foam that's on this carving wise but there's you know there's there's two levels there's a there's quite a bit of there's quite a bit of sculpting and there's a there's a very large mountain in the middle um roughly 482 feet of track um 36 switches and, uh, completely ballast, completely scenic, all the structures, weathered, lit accessories operating and, uh, and flawless DCS and legacy operation, roughly about two and a half to three months to
0: finish it. Okay. Gotcha.
3: And that's, that's but again, that's, that's me, right? Okay. I mean, that's, that's one guy doing everything. You know, if it were, if it were in Dallas, it would probably be month and a half to two months to knock it out.
0: Gotcha. But there's, okay.
3: a, there's a staff of there's a staff of, I think, 11 in Dallas and there's a staff of one <laughs> here in Concord, North Carolina.
0: And how much of and this obviously can vary from client to client, but how much is the client's input taken in and how much of it is train work saying, well, that's not really going to work. How about if we do this? What?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So. So the the client input really comes in on the front end, right? We we've got a questionnaire that they complete, and we, we try to we try to generate a mental image uh, of of what they're looking for, right? Um, in terms of you know, I, I like to know what type of equipment they own, so that that, that helps me understand what type of diameters of tracks they need. Um, you know, are they are they a semi scale customer, are they a scale customer, are they a mix? Um, you know, do they like animated accessories? Do they like everything to be in scale? Um, and then, of course, you, you always have the customers that that bring you the, the napkin sketch with a pencil. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. to your point, is 12 by 12 and it's got 096 curves on it and <laughs> the horseshoe curve and, the you know um, Conway yards. And it's like, um, I don't know what world you live in, but this is really like Z scale, not so much O gauge. <laughs> um, so there's instances like that where you've got the, you know, the, the appetite is bigger than the, than the real estate. And then there's other, there's other instances where, you know, the customers just have everything, you know, that they've got literally every accessory known to man, and, you know, the layout just, you, you know, if we were to put all those accessories on it, they would be, you know, six tall. You know, it would be the the car wash would be on top of McDonald's, which would be on top of the hobby shop, which would be on top of something else. And then the steam clean wheel grind shop and then the back shop on top of that all for one siding. It's like eh, that's not going to work either. um So, you know, uh, some of it. I don't want to say there's a lot, but, you know, the, the beauty of, TW, of hiring TW Trainworks to do your layout is we, we know what the pitfalls are, right? We know what not to do. So when the customer says, oh, I want to do this, you know, we don't tell them no, but we sternly encourage them to not go in that direction because the last thing we want to do is deliver a layout that's going to be a lemon, Right. I mean, we we know what works and what doesn't work. And, and, you know, my my background, especially on the the legacy and the TMCC and the uh, the, even the DCS uh, system, you know, I I can tell a customer with absolute certainty that, you know, this is going to work hands down. No questions asked reliably all the time. And, uh, you know, I'll give you I'll give you a great example. Just about every customer that comes in, you know, the, the first thing, the first question or one of the questions I will ask them is, OK, look, you, you know, what do you want for a control system? You know, do you want legacy? Do you want DCS? Do you want conventional? And, and immediately the customer says, like, I want it all. It's like, OK, look, you know, I, I'm going to tell you how this is going to go down. We're going to build you a train layout, you know, a very complex train layout that's that's command controlled. And we're going to wire it all up. We're going to put all the additional 30% more wiring in it. So you have conventional control and and switch panels and on-off switches for sidings. And we're going to put all this extra work and you're going to pay all this extra money. And within the first day of owning the railroad, every conventional train you own will never leave your shelf ever again, because nothing sucks more than running conventional trains on a command-equipped layout. Because, you know, most of those conventional trains are AC motors. So you have two speeds. It's like driving in Michigan. You have stop and mock stupid. And that's it. You know, there's nothing in between. So, you know, that's that's one of the things that's always challenging with a customer is, is helping them understand, you know, your collection has all of this equipment. So you really don't need this conventional operation you had when you were seven. And here's why. And, uh... You know, seven times out of 10, they they don't agree with me. And 10 times out of 10, they come back and say, yeah, my conventional trains haven't left the shelf since you installed the layout. And I have spoken.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen uh, your videos um and all of your, at least all the social media stuff that you guys do, because you you guys have a little bit of a Facebook presence, uh, YouTube, and uh, you guys just make the most spectacular looking layouts, like, out there, for sure. Like, and I'm sure people, when they're building their own layouts, uh, probably take a lot of inspiration. I I think we all do, from obviously not just Trainworks, but from other layouts out there. It's kind of one of the most, like, lucrative things of of building your own layout because it's very custom. But the great thing is people do these amazing things and it's easy just just to look at stuff that, you know, you guys professionals have done and said, wow, they did that. Like, oh, that looks great. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to encompass that on my next layout or something like that.
3: Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. Yeah. It's, yeah, I I think there's, you know, the, the inspiration can be found from a lot of places. Um, You know, I, you know, I, I look at, you know, some of the stuff that I look at when I'm building layouts is I've got a, I've got a layout that will come up after this 10 by 30, it's, it's roughly 10 by 28 and it's going out West. And, uh, and as I'm developing the, as I was developing the track plan, I had to come up with a cityscape for it. And so the first place I went is I jumped online and I looked up the Franklin and South Man- Manchester railroad by George sellios up in PBD, mass. Right. I mean, I've, I've been, uh, I've been a fan of his work for years. Um, you know, back even before I got for, even before she's oh a man back when I had a paper route, when I was like 12, uh, Alan Keller, uh, was, uh, was one of my customers on my paper route. And I don't know if you're familiar with Alan Keller, but him and Rich Melvin produced a, a number of, uh, VHS tapes of HO scale layouts were really, really, really nice HO scale layouts all over the country. And so, you know, long before I was even in the business, I was, you know, kind of tagging along with my dad and Alan and and Rich Melvin back when I was twelve years old, um, and then watching those videos, of course. And so, you know, I, I look at I look at George Sellios's layout for a lot of inspiration on the those nineteen twenties architecture and and the weathering that he does and i mean that that's kind of the stuff that inspires me when i'm when i'm looking to do something you know outside of the outside of the scope of what you can buy commercially in in gauge, right because i've got a laser cutter here in, in in north carolina we've got two in dallas and you know believe it or not i can actually use adobe illustrator and draw up anything and cut it on the laser turn around build it paint it weather it and Looks, you know, pretty spectacular. You know, I think I just hurt my arm patting myself on my back though. Okay. Let's not let's not film let's not film my right shoulder now.
0: <laughs> that's okay. You know, our guests can uh pat themselves on the back all they want on this podcast. So
3: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's right. We're not we're not uh, we're not
0: filming this. So I I don't that's have to right. put pants on. That's perfect. That, that's right. <laughs> would, <laughs> would you say that? like a 10 by 28 would be uh, a popular uh, dimension for somebody no. looking to a layout. Okay.
3: No, you know, one of the things that, one of the things that we really strive to do is we strive not to make the reach from the edge of the layout, any greater than four feet. Right. Cause anything bigger than four foot, you need a, you need a step, step stool or a ladder or something right. to get, you know, up on there. Um, you know, so we we definitely so on that 10 by 30 layout, wh- one of the things that you know, one of the things I did when I designed it is I made sure that all the animated accessories were within within four foot of the edge of the railroad, um, you know, because inevitably, like anybody who's into three rail trains, when you're when you're running animated accessories by themselves, they're all going to work flawlessly. Or, or I should say, when you're running them by yourself, they will all work flawlessly. And the minute you have anybody over is when they will fail Uh, so you know inevitably the culvert you know drops down and shorts out the track or the barrel you know bounces on the rail and derails the locomotive or whatever the case is i mean anyone who's been in the three rail long enough knows that no animated accessory works flawlessly when there is more than you in the room period um so yeah you know all, all that stuff has to be within a four foot reach but to answer your question like a 10 by 28, 10 by 30 those layouts are basically those those layouts have those dimensions because we were maximizing the amount of space that was available in the client's space and trying to give them everything that they wanted right so you know both of these customers are fortunate enough to have layouts that large um, you know we do a we do around the room layouts around the rooms with uh, a peninsula um You know, pretty much we try to maximize the space available without, you know, we try. And again, this is based on the customer. You know, we we try to make it a a pretty even percentage of trackage versus, you know, structures and scenery and accessories and things like that. But, you know, we've got a layout that we installed in Dallas that is truly 98% track and 2% structure. You know the scenery is in there, but okay. Well, let's see. It's eighty percent track, eighteen percent scenery, and two percent structures. I mean, it's just it's so so crazily overloaded with track and trains everywhere that you know keeping tabs on everything is requires a lot of concentration. And of course, it's all command controlled, and all the sidings can be turned on and off with the remote. And wired manually, right? Or or nope. conventionally for no good reason whatsoever because all of those conventional trains are still on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> There's a common thread here. I don't know if you're picking up on it or not. If not, I'll shoot you an email afterwards and, and try and lay it out for you.
0: I gotcha. I think I'm picking it up.
2: <laughs> <I think he's, laughs> Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Maybe maybe knock down our last episode with Proto One. Or exactly. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that's the uh, that's the the feeling I'm getting here.
3: Don't run conventional. <laughs> <laughs> well, if look, if you're a conventional guy, I'm not knocking you. But you know, if if seventy percent of your of your collection is is TMCC legacy and or DCS operated equipment, and thirty percent is conventional you know, contact electric railroads or MTH parts of sales and get you some upgrade kits and, and move on, you know, or or sell them, you know, and we all know how much proto one engines bring. So upgrade them.
0: Well, that's a, uh, (laughs) that's a, that's a a perfect segue into uh, MTH parts and sales. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, So (laughs) what was the, uh, what was your inspiration for that? And how did you get started uh, with the, with the MTH parts and sales.
3: So, so, so Mike, Mike Wolf called me up, I don't know, February of, of 2020. And he's like, Hey, in in fact, I was, I was in Dallas at TW at the time. And he says, I got this crazy idea. What if I just take all my parts and ship them to you and, and you sell them and split the profits with me. And I says, yeah, no, I'm not interested. And, uh, he's like, well, you know, what we got to do something with these parts. You know, I've, I've got this retirement plan planned out, blah. And then I knew all this long before the announcement rolled out. And, and, um, and, uh, a little story short, we, we just couldn't, uh, we, we couldn't come to, uh, an amino, amenable agreement between the two of us. So I just kind of let it go. And, uh, Well, it was maybe about May or so. He calls me up and he's like, look, he says, "Um, I really want you to help me with these parts. Uh, What can we do? Can you work as a consultant? And I was like, oh, I did not even thought about a consultant. I said, yeah, sure. I could work as a consultant. And uh, let me just say this before we go any further. Believe me, if there was anyone else in the industry Mike Wolf would have hired, it would have been them. But apparently there's no one out there. So it was me. Um, So. that uh we 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 entered into a consulting agreement and the the plan was to go from July of of 20 to July of 21 and my job was to create a uh an infrastructure much like I did over at Lionel for um for inventorying uh the service parts um uh you, you know creating basically I mean for all intensive purposes it was you know what? What I built at Lionel worked so exceptionally well that they wanted the same thing. Um, you know, they wanted exploded view diagrams, and they wanted you to be able to search parts and photos of each part, and so on and so on. And so uh, we started into that. Uh, we started into that agreement, and that one that that was going well up until about uh, up until about November or so and then it quickly became apparent to me that nobody nobody on the maryland side was actually entering any parts in the system and so i told mike i'm like you know hey kind of have a problem here we you know the the part the 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 database is not getting populated and uh and uh things were the, the way the stars aligned it worked out pretty well things were things were slow at tw at the time um I didn't have any layouts to build here in, in Concord. And, and so, uh, I, I told, told TW, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go on sabbatical, go, go help out, uh, MTH a little bit on this parts thing I'm working on with them. And, and, uh, everybody was agreeable to that. And, and so I started out, you know, or I didn't say, I don't want to say started out, but I, I became a contractor for him basically, basically, you know, renaming all of the parts in their, in their parts inventory. Um, I'll give you an example. There were were 681 part numbers with the description motor. Just motor. Oh, my. my. Okay, great. Got it. It's it's MTH. You know, there's probably five or six AC motors for the pre-war stuff, and then everything else is a can motor. So, okay, we got that much figured out. You know, once once I drilled through all of that and, and that literally took 82 hours to get through 681 motors to determine that there were roughly 31 unique motors uh, that had multiple part numbers for the same part. Um, so, you know, straightening out all of that stuff. Um, the, the only drawback to my involvement with MTH parts and sales is that I'm about 30, 30 years late to the party. Um, so, you know, I'm basically trying to, At the time, I'm basically trying to rectify 30 years of sin, which is, you know, when it was Proto 1, we had these great exploded View diagrams, but, you know, when we went to PS2 5 and 3 and PS3, we didn't really keep up with it. So, you know, I can tell you there are... Well, I'm trying to remember now. I want to say something like 87... It's 86,300 and some odd unique SKUs that MTH produced over a period of 30 years. Um, and that, that accounts for every every single road name on every single Rail King and Premier Freight car, uh, every HO scale car, locomotive, um, one gauge, uh, tin plate, uh, all, all of it. And that's only up until about... That's only up until about... Um, that's only up until about uh, what's the date? Maybe... December of 2020. Anything done from December or January of 21 on uh, is probably not in the system in terms of, uh, in terms of the product number, but you know, if it's a big boy, you go to the site and you type in big boy and you know, you choose rail King, premier, HO, one gauge, whatever. So but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what that, that, that looked like in the beginning. So that's, that's how I got involved. And then, you know, once again, the stars aligned and and somebody bowed out, it, it was originally supposed to be a partnership. There, there were three, there were three guys that were, that had ownership of the company and, and then stars aligned again, one of the, one of the partners dropped out, bowed out of it. And Mike asked me if I was interested and, you know, clearly I was having a momentary lapse of reason because I said, yes.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
3: again a long series of bad decisions in rapid succession (laughs) follow the bouncing boy follow the bouncing ball boys (laughs) well
0: well i'm gonna i'm gonna just come out and say thank you because i've actually already ordered several parts from you guys and the process was pretty streamlined not to you know not to use a train on there but it was it was it was very it was very good it was a good customer experience right that's that's the word you want to hear right And, and it was so,
3: well, you know, again, I, I have absolutely no social media presence. So if that's the word that that's the buzzword I want to hear, then great. <laughs> I'm happy. Well, <laughs> I, I will tell you this. That website is designed for a 68 year old non-computer literate operator.
0: That's that's the way to build it. <laughs> I'll tell you that.
3: <laughs> yeah. If you if you are a tech savvy you know, I have every social media platform known to man or known to cyberspace and you go to our website and try to do a very specific search for something, you will you you will be sorely disappointed.
0: Well, I'll tell you what that kind of really was great for me uh, is that you have pictures for everything and not just tiny little. I got to zoom into it. Picture you have, like, pretty Standard photos of everything. And for me, that's a huge plus because sometimes you're looking for a part or you think it's the part. and You're like, I don't know. Is this the part or not? But if I could see a picture of it. Yeah, I could tell if that's what I need. And um, sure. I think that that's a huge bonus. Sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that was one of the things, you know, Mike was like, Hey, look, we've got 21,000 photos on this, on this FTP site. And I went and looked, I went and looked at maybe 300 of them and I'm like, well, that's great. I don't know who took them, but you know, the, we're not going to use any of them. <laughs> they were, <laughs> they
0: were less than ideal. Gotcha. The uh, They're like, like five kilobytes and they're what, like 200 by 200 resolution yeah, they, or they, something they, yeah
3: <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of like it's kind of like some of the really early it's it's kind of like some of the photos on the uh, on the product finder for some of the really early ps1 uh, and even horn and whistle equipped locomotives where when you hover over them it's just this big grainy mess because gotcha. you know back <laughs> oh, yeah. in the, back in the <laughs> mid 90s you know digital photography was not what it is today it's it's not like you can go to the you know, Apple, and buy a really expensive camera with a phone wrapped around it. Yep. Um, you know, you had a digital camera that was very expensive, and it still didn't take great photos. So, yeah, it, it was it was a lot like that.
0: Gotcha. So, you told us what. So we all know what MTH Parts is, and it it obviously it's a fantastic site. Just to clarify for our listeners and every, and obviously everyone out there and even us, what what don't you do?
3: So, so MTH is a, is a completely separate company from MTH trains. Um, you know, what, one of the, one of the big misnomers out there is that MTH is out of business and, and that's, that's simply not true. It, it, MTH MTH trains has, has continued on in business with a, with a much, with a much smaller staff, and a completely new to the model railroad industry, mind you, this is nothing new to the world, but to the model railroad industry, you know, they, they don't print a catalog anymore. Everything is everything is email based, right? They they send out an email every week that says, "Hey, here's these new products that have been announced for this specific dealer, or here's what we're cataloging, and so on and so forth." And that's how that's how the new products are are disseminated to the customer base and the dealer base um but that's that's mth trains we while we share the same building um in in many regards we share some of the same space it it is really truly two different companies um you know our focus is is obviously parts and it takes a lot of space to inventory parts and and you know once you sell them being able to find them is you know, when you're talking 25,000 or 38,000 individual parts, it's uh, really important to be able to find them once you've taken someone's money for them. <laughs> so that was that was a month-long endeavor June of last year, just, you know, first off, having to move them out of Columbia Gateway Drive over to Elk Ridge. And then, you know, the movers did a fantastic job of cross-pollinating about I don't know, 1,400 parts and intermixing them with one another. So, you know, nothing like going to the box for a a Rail King Bentendorf truck and finding, you know, tin plate uh, railroad crossing signs and uh, what else? I mean, just you name it, number boards and fuel tanks. And it's like, oh, my God, what is this? (laughs) So, you know, that was – it was a very grueling sixteen-hour days for thirty straight days in June, and we also don't have any air conditioning in the warehouse. Oh <laughs> so, yikes! Yeah, yeah. To say we were ripe well, would be an understatement. All right, but uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of you, you know that's kind of uh, I, I forgot what the heck. What am I talking about, Matt? Actually, you know what? You don't have a job anymore. John, what am I talking about?
1: <laughs> I think you're talking about how hot the warehouse is. I think that's the main driving point of, of this entire conversation.
3: Oh, well then, so so we just want all the listeners to know that, you know, we are so committed to making sure that, that, that owners and operators of MTH trains have parts to fix their stuff that we suffered... 16 hours a day for 30 days straight, June of 21, putting all those parts away. That's that's how committed we are to this endeavor.
0: I mean, you you could you could make a billboard and put like Mike is hot Buy MTH parts.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, no. Okay, Well, you know, we could put we could put one Mike is tall and one Mike isn't okay m t h parts
0: <laughs> sure <I> <laughs> that works I like that
3: <laughs> and and funny enough the all three of the, the three of us that own the company we our first names all begin with an m and i really pushed hard for 3m parts emporium as the company name but the other two guys just wouldn't go for it <laughs>
2: gotcha this opportunity like that
0: Well, that's why we're the, that's why we're the Matt and Matt podcast. You know, it's all started with two mats and we're like, we need something catchy and something that people will remember. We're like, all right, we'll just make it Matt and Matt. And that's easy to remember. So,
3: wow. John, buddy. Fortunately for you, I got big shoulders. If you need to cry after the podcast, I'll, I'll hold you.
0: That, that Johnny, that Johnny, came later. Let's just, you know, I just want to make that, uh, you know, like that point. Like Johnny, so it's, Johnny didn't it's come not until Johnny like, come lately. It's Johnny come later. Uh, correct. Yes. Got it.
1: <laughs> it's okay. I I get to I get to to blend in a little behind the scenes for the listeners whenever we don't have a guest. I'm usually J matt so I can feel like I'm part of this.
0: Uh, well, I uh, appreciate you clearing that up for us on the part side. I wasn't uh, talking about that, but, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go ahead and turn the mic over to the other Matt, Matt Z and uh, see uh, what kind of questions he's got for you.
3: Sure. Hey, thanks, man. It's been fun.
0: Yep. All
2: right. Uh, thanks, Matt. Uh, Mike, uh, I've, I I got to throw a quick plus one on the uh, parts, man. I've ordered parts from you guys. It's it's a breeze. I love it. I, I I wish it was here ten years ago. Let me tell you,
3: it's fantastic. Really great job. Well, thank you. We I appreciate that. We we all do. We're we're we really are busting our rear ends to to get stuff up there. The, you know, the only the only real drawback that that we're that we're really up against is there's there's only two of us that are that are really entering parts into the system. Right. And even even once a part's entered, it's it's got to get put away before it's um, before it's able to be sold. You know, and so I, I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen or heard or maybe gotten one of our our email newsletters about the about the wish list. Um, but that wish list is, is such a phenomenal tool, not only for us, but for the customer. Right. If there's a I don't know, you're looking for a number board for a Norfolk Southern SD40 and you find it. Right, you find the part number, you find the photo, but there's it says out of stock. Just put in how many you want. Click, you know, click add. It'll ask for your email address, and you know, when we finally get around to putting the part away, you get an email that says, "Hey, this this part you're looking for is in stock." And of course, me being me, I you know threw a little snippet in that email that says, "You better hurry because we emailed everyone else who was interested too." Um, but that's my twisted sense of humor. But that that wish list really, yeah. really does a, a really does a good service to the customer because it saves you from having to come back and look once a week or every day or, you know, whatever the whatever the frequency is. Once you once you've signed up for that wish list, once it gets in stock, boom, it's, it's you know, you get an email as soon as it's, it's put away. Very cool. So. I wanted to transition off
2: of the MTH side and talk about your uh, prior experiences, I guess, if you want to call it that, to uh, Trade America oh, Studios. Yeah, and used get, you mean when I
3: used to get dressed for these types of event, events? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. That's funny. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs>
2: okay. All right. Uh, let's start with uh, uh train america studios what what was kind of like the backstory and what kind of happened with that
3: okay so here here we go so so i had train america right we, we started out in 96 it was a it was a retail train store and then we eventually transitioned into doing some early mail order stuff and at any rate i, I uh, it, it was summer of 96 we were we're trying to get the store ready to open and it was hot and uh and and uh, I took out some Gargrave's track, and, and there was a Lionel command system there. And, and this is 96, right? I mean, this literally is the birth of Lionel TMCC. I think the only locomotives out at the time was like a a Rio Grande SD50, uh, a Boston and Albany Hudson, I think, and the CNO and Belly Hudson were the only three locomotives that had shipped Uh, that had TMCC in it. So we take this TMCC system out and take this yellow belly. I put it on the track and pull out the cab one, throw some batteries in it. And I start running the train and I was like, holy crap, this is the cat's meow. Like there's a, there's a future here. Um, Fell in love with it. So train store opens and I've got this local guy that comes in His, his doctor told him he had to find a hobby to relieve some stress. So he, he dropped about four thousand dollars on on track and power TMCC and in that st50 the Rio Grande SD50 that yellow belly Hudson um, takes it home he's just having a ball comes in comes in uh, two weeks later and buys a bunch of mth premier equipment and two days later he comes back he's got everything in his car he wants to return all of it and you know, I, I literally had just opened doing the doing the, the train store thing on a shoestring budget, and I'm like, oh my god, what? Do, you know, I've I've since paid bills with the money that that he paid for that product. So I scrambled, got his money together, give him his money back, and I said, and I, and I a buddy of mine was standing there. I said, you know, if somebody doesn't come along in six months and do something to fix this incompatibility issue between MTH proto sounds and Lionel command control. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. So a year goes by and uh, my buddy comes back and he's like, so did you fix that compatibility problem? And uh, I said, no. So at any rate, uh, got with a local guy, introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Lewis Niederlander, who was my chief engineer at train America studios for, I don't know, 10 years. We're, we're still very good friends. Um, drove up to his house and in, in up near Cleveland. And I said, I want you to make this talk to that. So a few months later, he, uh, had a circuit developed, which, uh, we, we, it was our very first product we made at train America studios called a cub universal command upgrade board. Um, basically allowed you to take proto sounds one and, uh, put our circuit board in there that, that uh, was coupled with a line L receiver that would basically take out the DCRU or the the proto one bottom board, put our board in place. It would, you know, take care of the motor driver and the smoke on off and the rear coil coupler and then the sounds. And suddenly you had a, you had an MTH product that was a hundred percent compatible with TMCC. And that's, that's kind of how train America Studios started. You know, it was, it was just a, a hobbyist looking to solve a problem and turned it into a business. And then that morphed into, you know, all, all the other licensees that, that signed on to train master or signed on with Lionel. And, you know, the the majority of those companies didn't have an engineering department like Atlas and third rail and Weaver. And, uh, and uh, we started doing, you know, started designing circuit boards for those guys to, to give them uh, TMCC compatibility and kind of grew from there. All right. No,
2: that was, uh, that was really cool. I uh, was just I was, like, I curious on that. Now let's say it continued. What do you think would,
3: what do you think would be of train America now? Oh, probably nothing. You know, Lionel was, Back in the day, Lionel was very threatened by us at TAS, especially after we we developed our EOB engineer on board speed control and started selling it to Atlas O. So, um, I'm not going to tell you what the numbers were, but they were they were very significant from uh, in terms of what Atlas took from Lionel and diesel locomotive sales uh, in, in that time frame because they had EOB. You know, EOB was compatible with. Um, non-speed control equipped ac motored locomotives uh odyssey locomotives you know you, you still still to this day you can't lash two tmcc1 odyssey locomotives together without throwing all the traction tires um you know you could take an odyssey engine and an eob engine lash them up and they, they they'd run like they were they were made for each other um even engines that didn't have speed control eob would run with those so it was it was a it was a really versatile system um and so, at any rate, Lionel was, uh, was pretty threatened by it, um, primarily because it was coming from us and not from them. And uh, they, they basically copyrighted um, they, they copyrighted everything. They, they copyrighted all of their command sets, all of their 9-bit command sets that came out of the legacy base. And they copyrighted, copyrighted everything that comes out of that uh, DB9 RS-232 port. Um, so there really, there really was not much of a future on the horizon for TAS in terms of developing new tech, um, you you know, based on, based on that alone. So where would it have gone from there if it would have continued going? I, I I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I've never really thought about it, right? Once, once I started at Lionel, I, I, I left TAS completely started with Lionel and, and ultimately, you know, ultimately brought all my TAS guys on the Lionel to, to replace the service tech staff. And, um, you know, that de- doesn't really matter where it would have gone. Couldn't tell you
0: anyway.
2: <laughs> Gosh, gotcha. that's uh, that's quite cool.
0: So it, transitioning um, on to oh, Lionel. I, Go ahead. I had Matt. a question. I'm sorry. It's, it's kind of uh disappointing that, that uh, the industry couldn't, really kind of agree on a universal command system. And it's definitely something that we have brought up several times. Uh, and I mean, several times on this podcast, just talking about having something universal like that, um, especially with the way just O scale is built and just to, to make it easier for people to kind of get into it and have something that's just universal that, you know, Hey, I need one remote and I can run all of the command control trains out there. So
3: um, yeah and you know and part of part of that, that threat that I mentioned was I, I don't I don't know if you guys own any EOB equipped locomotives but uh, it yeah. only it only ever had 128 speed steps right and and that was done so that it matched uh, MTH and so you know before just I don't know maybe 2 months before I left TAS and went to Lionel um I was working with Dave Crebel to uh, for him, for the refinement of um, the 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 DCS handheld that commands that the Tiu would send to the TMCC one legacy or TMCC one base for speed steps because um, there was long story short when you turn the, when you turn the red knob on a cab one in 128 speed step mode, it takes the, the the speed steps go up two steps at a time with the red wheel. But if you use the boost button, it would go up one step at a time. And there's actually code inside the TMCC1 command base that Lionel never, ever used at when it was just TMCC1, which was absolute speed step commands. And so you could, we, I was working with Kreeble to, for the, the cable between the TIU and the command base to when it would, when the DCS remote would send speed step commands, and it would send absolute speed step commands to TMCC locomotives, which would have ultimately given you the ability to take an EOB equipped TMCC engine and put it in a lash up with the ProtoSounds 2 locomotive and run flawlessly together. But like I said, that we, we were a threat, and the threat was eliminated. Basically by hiring me, <laughs> you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, I see it now. Then, yeah, you know, I was I was too too young and stupid.
0: No, thanks. Th- th- thanks for explaining that too. So, um, sure. But yeah, I didn't mean to uh, just kind of keep that topic alive. But you know, again, it was it was something that we had brought up before, and um, you, know, I, you know, maybe one day. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll get back into um, a singular, or not, not back into, but maybe we'll all agree on, you know, a singular kind of protocol uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, command control in, in O scale units. So, sure. or, you know, yeah, a lot that, that, of, of recording nice. in general, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to pinpoint this directly on O scale because, I mean, you, you could put, you can build a command system that could go in pretty much any of the scales. And it could all be the same thing, but I'll digress. <laughs>
3: <laughs> from a guy who, from a guy who uh, took on the TMCC conversion market head on and lived it for far too long, all I can tell you is good luck to the guy that uh, signs up to do that. Yeah. There's a, there's a significant amount of support that goes into that, especially with guys who, you know, if it has any more than if it has any more than zero wires, they struggle.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Johnny, you had something? I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, no,
1: no worries. Uh, I, I just wanted to kind of chime in on the, 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 U-Cub. That was something that I thought was so cool when I first found out about it. Um, listeners to the podcast and viewers of my channel will know I am a big, uh, daylight admirer is the best way to, is the nicest way to put it to myself. Um, so I love the Proto 1 Daylight. Um, I actually acquired one from my, my buddy Sid. And the one I actually got from him originally had the U-Cub in it. And I, I went on and on and on about like, oh, I wish I could have the sounds from the Proto-1 and still have it be somewhat command control. And he's like, oh, yeah, this one can do that. And I got really excited. And he immediately crushed those dreams. Like, well, it used to be able to do that because the boards <laughs> are long gone now. I, I sold them off to another gentleman. And – um my disappointment was immeasurable to say the least, but you know it it is what it is. I, I said well, a couple Johnny, you
3: should' you should have called. I've got I don't know fifteen or twenty of them sitting here. Uh, you know, I know the guy that invented them.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think yeah, that Z and I would go crazy with them. <laughs> in
3: fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think I brushed his teeth this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know the, the, the fact that that technology is, exists and and was so instrumental in that is is amazing. Uh, I like I said, I had no idea something like that even existed until until recently. Um, but yeah, uh, just. Think it's really cool, and if, uh, I, like I said, I uh, after I learned that that opportunity had uh, had long departed since the time until I got that engine, I, I said some big boy words that night. But you know, it, 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 you live and learn,
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, first off, if you're an SP guy, you shouldn't be throwing around Union Pacific terms, just saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Matt R
2: can correct me since he's the thing, rest- yeah, really, Matt, Matt's gonna get mad with you with that one.
3: <laughs> so here's here's a great here's a great sidebar story for you. So so my buddy Lewis Lewis was the Lewis was the engineer for Bill Benson over at Right of Way Industries when they started way back when. And uh, they were at York one time in the Yellow Hall with that monster layout that filled up the or was it no not the yellow the gold hall the the, the layout filled up the entire gold hall at the at the at the uh, York Fairgrounds. And uh, they had this they had this sign up announcing the new sound system for the Southern Pacific daylight. And it says, you know, uh, you know, with authentic daylight whistle. And uh, this is, this is back before Lionel had even come out with rail sounds, right? This was, this was the first onboard sound system for three rail trains uh, in the marketplace. And uh, Lewis had a guy walk up to him and says, well, I, I know, I know what the daylight is, but what whistle does it make at night? (laughs) <laughs> oh no yeah so well, you know it had an authentic daylight whistle he wanted to know what what the what the night whistle was oh boy so-
1: <laughs> oh my poor poor heart
2: <laughs> i love that <laughs> that's that's pretty funny um but, uh, no, real quick on the uh and the Proto-1, you know, I'm just a big of Proto-1 guys, anybody out there. And it's really cool to know that, you know, if you still want to have the old sounds that have, you know, command, there you go. That's your perfect opportunity for it.
3: There you go. Hey, not to mention the fact MTH Parts and Sales has bottom and top sound boards in every sound chip ever made.
2: That's true. And I've actually, I've, I've bought, uh, i bought an extra for my Brill, uh, when I got it, so I'm like, okay, why not? So I, I've been starting to do that now. So that's kind of cool. But uh, uh, moving on away from the uh, uh, TAS side. Uh, so with Lionel, what uh, what kind of got you into Lionel, and kind of like your role in in their uh, company?
3: <laughs> All right. So I probably shouldn't tell you this story, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because anyone who knows me knows that that's how I roll. So. Um, uh, early on, well, not early on. So, so I went to York one time, and a guy handed me a flyer from this electric railroad company that it just literally—I mean, really—all that John had at the time was just a flyer. And uh, I, and he was—I think—I think it was his mini commander. He was advertising. So he uh, he was in California. He didn't go to York. He just had someone handing him out. And so when when I got back to I got back to Ohio, I picked the phone up called him and i said uh is this john he says yeah this is john Zahorniki. i says hi i'm you know i'm mike reagan i'm on crane america studios and you know, just wanted to say welcome to the industry and, and he said um people in this hobby don't do that and i says "Why?" Well, i says i've got plenty of enemies i don't need any more of those i figured i'd just you know welcome you to the industry and have a friend and he was he was kind of beside himself he didn't know how to respond and so we, we developed a relationship just talking on and off, bouncing ideas off of each other. And in fact, he did some, did some development work for me, design work for me at TAS. I was at TAS. He did some design work for us out in California back when we were doing the the layout control software, uh, when that was starting to, well, I don't want to say starting to get off the ground. We were considering getting it off the ground. Um, at any anyway, rate, so John and I were good friends and, um, he ultimately got involved with Legacy towards the um, towards the end of the uh, explosive relationship between Neil and Lou uh, Kovach, Neil Young and Lou Kovach, and that that was delaying the delivery of Legacy. So John was brought on by Neil to to get Legacy to market. So when John finally got Legacy delivered, Jerry called him up and said, "You know, hey, you did such a great job getting." getting legacy delivered that i want you to take over the service department and john says oh i'm not interested jerry says well it doesn't matter it's your problem now goodbye so john called me and says you know hey how would you like to take over the lionel service department and i says oh hi there's no way in hell i want your problems and i hung up (laughs) and uh about three weeks later he called me back and he says well we're willing to pay you this much and i says i'm suddenly interested <laughs> and so that's how that's how I that's how I got on at Lionel in a nutshell because I was I was not someone that Lionel in that in that era would typically hire. Right? I was I was a known quantity in the industry. I had a really good reputation. And um, you know, back in the day and even to this day, Lionel's not real fond on on bringing on trained people uh, in, how do I want to put it, director roles, right, in, in, in authoritative roles. They, they want, you know, I, I was definitely not the pedigree that Lionel typically looks for. Um, but they got me as a result of my relationship with John. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history.
2: No kidding. That's, uh, that's, that's really cool. Um, all right. Uh, so I wanted to, uh, touch on Lionel again, and I believe this is the end of my questions that I'm, that I could think of right now. I may think of more as Johnny talks. I don't know, but, um, was curious on the uh, YouTube side of things, you had the uh, Lionel, uh, customer service channel. And I've, I always really loved those videos. What inspired those and what was kind of the thought process with those? <laughs>
3: I was bored, um, <laughs> honestly, you know, we, it, th- those started rolling out very, eh, I would say very early, but you know, we, so, so I, so I moved the service department out of Michigan and I moved it down to Canfield, Ohio, right. Where, where my, my T, my old TAS techs were, you know, they were, they were on, they were on payroll at Lionel, brought them in and, you know, we were, we were, we had a, well we have two three day turnaround on repairs, both warranty and non warranty repairs. You know, between the between the four of us, including myself, if if all four of us were to jump on a bench for one day, we could easily knock out 120 repairs in a day. Um, you know, there really there really is something to the experience you learn from taking it taking a another manufacturer's locomotive gutting it completely and starting over with your own TMCC electronics, uh, that really honed you in on exactly what is wrong with a, with a Lionel locomotive and how to fix it in the blink of an eye. And so, so that's, you know, so long story short, the, the parts department was up and running. All the parts were, were in Ohio. The, the, the new service parts website was launched. It was doing well. Um, you know, we were repairing trains at a pace that no one in the history of Lionel had ever seen before. And I, I like to I like to be involved in things. I, I really hate to manage. I, I'm a horrible manager. I'm I'm a far better doer and director. And so um, I was bored, quite frankly. And, um, you know, we 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 bought this. I don't know. I bought this hundred dollar digital camera from. Uh, Best Buy, and I bought the I bought two sets of $30 lights from some place online uh, with the fancy umbrellas and everything. And and for like $170, we set up this uh, film studio in a, a spare room in the service uh, building in Canfield. And we just started making videos. And I, you know, I, I would re- basically record them all myself, I'd go hit the the record button, run behind the table, take a deep breath, start the video. And then Phil Hall, who, who worked for me at TAS and subsequently Lionel, he would do all the editing and he just push them up to, to YouTube. And then ultimately we started bringing them into the website and, you know, I mean, geez, Brian Kunkel and I did a, back when Ryan was doing social media for Lionel, we did this, I don't even remember maybe 35, 40, uh, Piece uh, video series on everything you ever wanted to know about building, building a railroad and and using uh, Lionel equipment, you know, from conventional to to TMCC switches. I mean, the whole nine yards, the the whole gambit, everything, even up to uh, converting things like Atlas turntables to uh, work off a mini commander to, to run it off your remote. I mean there was there was pretty much no limit to what we were doing at the time and and I did it cuz I was bored. I mean literally I'd go in I'd go in in the morning and uh make sure everything was copacetic with everyone on staff, everything was good. I'd sit in my office and work on some part list and when I got fed up with it, I'd just grab trains and go make a video.
0: Well, I mean no, you, kid, you, that's you, you, so- you probably oh, weren't that not- bored because, I mean, you did have that video on the fast track expander paste, right? I was just thinking about <laughs> that. <laughs> I,
3: I, I, you know what? I was just informed now that we've got this whole now that we've got this whole supply line issue. I was just informed by the by the freight forwarder that that container actually fell off the ship. It's somewhere in the bottom of the Pacific, which oh, is why. No. It was really <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, and, that's, well.
3: and that's more than likely why why the Pacific Ocean is rising.
0: <laughs> Rip fast track expander paste.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. that's a dream. I, uh I, I, I loved it. Like, everybody thought it was real. Like, at the very end, it's like, happy April 1st. It's like, oh, uh, hello. <laughs>
3: <But> <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with uh, oatmeal and blue food coloring. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really something.
0: I, I can't believe there were people that actually really thought that was real, too. It was... Kind of amazing.
3: Yeah, the, I remember. I remember the folks that were in 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 the New York City office. They got they got fuming hot when I did the I did an April Fool's video. Of, it was the Turbo encabulator, but uh, but geared towards the Legacy remote about how that worked. You know, with drawn reciprocating dingle arms and Nova trunnions and you <laughs> know I don't know. Several several weeks later. You know, I got this scathing email from the New York office about how I'm disseminating false information and confusing the customer. And I'm like, oh, that's right. You're in New York. You don't have a sense of humor.
0: My bad. Uh, there you go, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Matt. Matt laughed, so it can't be all all bad there.
3: Matt's not the right pedigree for Lionel. Uh, right? yeah. You're the same guy. That, that,
2: you don't count. Yeah, remember, remember I'm, I'm basically from Canada.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. You're closer not, to Canada. I'm in that
2: part of New York.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's all but, right. So uh, was Neil.
3: So you're good. You're good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, no, I, uh, I don't. Like I said, those videos, I mean, they were really informative. Like you're talking with uh, the like the Atlas Turntable, those sorts of videos. Those were. Oh, man, I loved watching those. They were really you good. You learned something new every day. You know what I mean? Every time, And every yes. time I watched it, you know, I always learn something new even if I watched the video five times. You know what I
0: mean? I'll be but, honest yeah, with you. No, I actually really go good. back I actually go back to a few of those videos now and then uh just kind of recap on something or if there's something that I missed. They're uh, you know, you know, joking aside, they were they were really good. No,
2: that's uh that that's all I had. So uh, Johnny go ahead. All righty I'll take the reins and
1: yeah just kind of chiming in my my two cents on the the videos. That was that was definitely a big part of, of uh uh, of my childhood growing up and, and watched that. I remember sitting in the living room when my, oh my God, my iPod touch and and not having a YouTube uh, account. I just hit every single video about legacy and put it in a giant playlist. And I think what suckered me in was, I think you guys used the daylight, the 4436 daylight in the video, which would maybe want to watch it even more as a kid. But, but I, I love those videos. So really, um,
3: you're saying if things go south for me in the train industry, I should become a dealer.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: <There you laughs> Pacific dealer at that. <laughs> so, uh,
0: you We're know, not talking about trains though. I don't know how to lose you in with
3: the gateway drugs.
1: but uh, kinda kinda looping back to uh to where we started at the beginning, going back to, to train works, um just wanna I just want to kinda poke at the the stories you might have in regards to that. Um, but kind of in like more of, of a, just some general questions uh first one I was really curious about since you've you've worked on quite a few layouts over over your time with them um which ones do you personally enjoy working on more display layouts or private layouts for a for a customer um,
3: i I like well the the stuff that I build here in north carolina is is typically always private layouts um look i, I I'm a scale guy, Uh, you know, most people don't know this, but I'm, I'm into O N three, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a closet lone wolf O N three guy. I, I, I'm also a closet military modeler. Um, You know, I'm really a stickler for detail and, and I really, I really enjoy painting and weathering. So, you know, anytime I can build a layout that's more, More geared towards the scale side of things, those are the types of layouts that I really enjoy working on. You know, in in the business, the business requires me to work on everything, right? I'm I've I've built standard gauge layouts, I've built tin plate layouts, and and it's not that I don't enjoy it, but you know, that's that's when it starts becoming a job for me because I I really, I really struggle with tin plate. I really, I really struggle with the the fact that nothing is to scale. And, um, you know, you, you really can't get away with weathering tin plate without the customer getting exceptionally hot, um, you know, so that the, the really flashy colors and glossy finishes, you, you know, deep down inside, I, I scream when I have to work on that stuff. <laughs> um you know, if it's, if it's going to be weathered and it's going to be dry brushed and it's getting washes and, you know, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a blank palette for what I want to do scenery wise. Um, you know, that's what I really like. Being able to take a photo and people, other than the third rail, people are like, damn, that, that looks like the real thing. Th- that's what I really enjoy. Um, I enjoy designing it. You know, when I'm, when I'm designing railroads for people like that, I I see the, I see the scene as I'm, as I'm dropping the track in place. Um, That's the stuff I I really, I I really enjoy. Um, But uh, you know, I mean every, well, I shouldn't say every, but every scale slanted or scale ish layout that we do, even if it's three rail and it's all quarter inch scale, you know everything's weathered the track i mean i literally i spent the entire day paint painting the track for this uh, 10 by 30 layout <laughs> you don't want to know how many there's 90 well let's see i've got 90 29 inch raw straight 60 of them are painted all the switches all the curves the bumpers everything everything else is painted so i got a little more work for me in 96 degree weather tomorrow in concord north carolina
1: Oh, geez. Yeah, I, I couldn't even imagine uh, what, what going through all that would be like, even even working on my my tiny little layout, trying to to ballast a switch alone causes its own significant emotional event. So I wait until
3: you wait until you have to pick the layout up, turn it on its side, load it on a truck, drive it twenty six hundred miles, take it off set it up and realize you forgot to tape the uh, opening and the dz1000 and it's chucked full of ballast that didn't get glued uh, that's an emotional event oh no uh
1: that's just nightmare fuel right there oh yeah <laughs> but that that actually leads me to my next question um so so what is it what is it like having to, to take a take a trek with a, a layout in in tow do you have any fun road trip stories that you that you've got hidden away for us here
3: yeah just just stay off of stay off of i-20 through louisiana (laughs) is is probably the the best free with a layout in the truck i don't know who i'm pretty sure they they contracted some ohio road engineers and brought them down to louisiana to pave that uh pave that whole stretch of 20 um was taking a layout to santa fe new mexico and i thought for sure when i got to the hotel like all the ballast would have been on the floor that was the bounced my head off the cab of that Penske truck. If it wasn't a hundred times, it wasn't once. It was just absolutely horrific. Um but uh I mean that's really that's really the the worst one. You know, that layout that I that I delivered two weeks ago that went up to Virginia Beach. Um you know some of the some of the roads in Virginia I was really but that that was more of a that was more of a tin plate standard gauge style layout. Um so there really wasn't much to to bounce off of it as it were. Um, but that's really, I mean, that's really it. I mean, that most of the, most of the installs are pretty uneventful. You know, if you, if you build a rack and you strap it down to the truck properly, you don't have any problems, you know, and you've got to do, you got to do ballast work when you, when you deliver a layout anyway, when you put all of your, your track pieces in over the table joints, you got to go back through and ballast it and re it. So, you know, inevitably you'll have some sections that where the ballast will pop up, but I mean, it's all part of the process. So it's, it's not nearly as, as big of an emotional event as John ballasting a switch.
1: <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, Matt Z, did you want to, want to chime in there?
2: Yeah, I like I guess I knew i to think of something. Uh, and you mentioned stories, so uh, I got to ask uh, customer service uh, TAS stories. You got any of those?
3: Oh yeah, I've got way too many of those. Oh my god, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 let me tell you this: this th- that is where, if 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 there was anything I learned prior, I mean, obviously I learned everything I know about TMCC at Train America Studios. So when I got to Line L, it was it was easy. Um, you know, there, there was no learning curve. I mean, there was obviously a learning curve because and here's the best part, right? I, I was, a, I was a combat engineer in the army, right? I mean, I, I have done demo, I've done landmines, I've done clearing minefields, setting up obstacles. I've done all that, but it, that doesn't translate necessarily to the corporate world because everywhere there was a landmine at Lionel, somehow I stepped on every single one of them. Um, but the probably the, the best lesson I learned at, at TAS was th- that I took with me to Lionel was when the customer says, I have a pink wire, the response is put it in a box and ship it to me because I'm not going to sit on the phone for nine hours so that you can change all the wires around, make it wrong, and make it a worse repair for me to fix. Um, you know, I, I get it. There, there's, 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 Users out there that want to fix their own equipment, but I, I can tell you, I can tell you far more stories than you care to hear about uh, what folks have done to their product, try, attempting to fix it on their own, and what that has turned into in terms of in terms of money to, to make it right versus saying okay. You know, I I can I can send this to someone who knows what they're doing, get it fixed right the first time. It's going to work reliably for a long time, and it's not going to cost me a lot of money. Versus, I got a pink wire. Okay, great news flash. There's no besides the besides the pickup being gray and ground being brown. There's no color coding standard for Lionel TMCC one locomotives at all. (laughs) So great, you got a pink wire. I'm looking at a spool of blue wire. What else can we talk about? So that's, yeah, that's, that's probably the single biggest lesson I learned because I, I can't even tell you how many hours, days, weeks, and months I spent on the phone with customers trying to help them wire up a, a product. Um, you know, customer, customer service is um, especially in, in a technical field and really TMCC is not all that technical when you compare it to everything else that's in the marketplace today, but, you know, whether it's it's TMCC or Legacy or DCS, it really doesn't matter. Um, you, you know, when you're doing technical customer service with someone one-on-one is, is just painful. Um, and and from, a, from a service role, be it TAS or Lionel or, or wherever, it's really hard to quantify that, that investment of time to the bottom line right. I mean, that's, that's the hardest part, you know, okay. They bought my product. I really want to help them out. I'm going to take this time. Next thing you know, three hours have gone by and what's going to happen at the end of the three hours, they're going to box it up and they're going to need more parts than they would have when, when you started. So it's uh, it's a bit of a challenge, but uh, yeah, I don't want to bore you with those stories. (laughs) Heck, one (laughs) of the people I'm talking about might be listening and I'm going to offend them and that would be bad. (laughs) (laughs)
0: i can uh i can definitely relate though as somebody who has worked in the technical field for uh a really long time let's put it that way uh both in in the support environment and um even just presently i i i i build computers for people if they want them to and uh just you know taking people through steps especially like when you're dealing uh, nowadays, you can get a little bit fancier if you could do like a camera to camera session or something like that. But walking people over the phone and having them describe something to you is just it's sure. just—it's it, not going to work. Yes. It's not going to work. It's just I mean, it's hard enough on the software side to assist people. But nowadays, you got remote control and that really helps from a hardware sp- perspective. N- uh, uh-uh, no way. Yep. Send it. Send it in. That's
3: right. <laughs> That's right. That's like I used to tell people the 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 legacy charging system works best in the off position.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah what I, 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 keep I know all about
3: that. <laughs> yep. Me too. <laughs> yep. On doesn't work very well. <laughs> yeah. On. Uh, On. I don't know what that stands for, but it doesn't stand for works. <laughs> yeah. I
1: think I gave Matt a Matt R a heart attack when he came over to my layout for the first time, and he saw that I had it in the owen position. It drove him insane.
0: It did. It did.
3: Yeah. I had a guy. I had a guy call me up at Lionel one time. His legacy remote was um, what was it? it? The the remote was doing something, and I told him. I said, just take the side of the remote and smack it upside the side of a desk. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, just take the remote and smack it upside the side of the desk. It's like, well, what if it breaks? I said, if it breaks, I'll replace it. Really? I said, yeah. So he says, hang on a second. He walks away, he comes back. He's got the remote, smacks it upside the desk. Hey, I fixed it. Well, there we go.
0: <laughs> now, uh, disclaimer, the Man mad podcast is not responsible for anybody fixing their remotes by hitting them against the desk. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not with YNA anymore,
0: so please, by all means,
3: they're not with anymore, so... Yeah, probably don't want to do that now.
1: <laughs> we call that percussive maintenance. Percussive maintenance. I like, right, that. I like
0: it. I like it. I like that terminology. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's great. Uh, I love those stories. They're great. As a person who also does customer service and, and technical support, uh, the, those those ring true to my heart. Um, I'm going to throw this last one in here um, to kind of kind of wrap things up a little bit. But I'm going to add a little bit of a twist. So one, you, with without the experience you've had working with layouts, which portion of which section of the country do you enjoy modeling the most or working on the most? And something I've, I'm, I'm going to throw a twist in there based off of our conversation tonight. Can you guess which regions of this, the uh, U S that uh, the mats and myself enjoy personally? I, I've never asked a question like this before, but I'm, I, I've had a, Really fun time to talk with you. So I'm curious if you can, if you can guess
3: it. Okay. So, so my favorite, uh, I like the, I like having the freedom to, to do what I want, but I would say I'm i I'm a fan of the West, right? Colorado, the the mountains, right? That where the, where the big rock work is the, the, the impressive rock work is that's, that's probably my favorite, uh, to work with. Um, you know, besides you, you, you can justify tunnels and sheer rock faces and retaining walls far better than you can in say, I don't, Pennsylvania, you know, New York. The Moffat Tunnel is far more impressive than you know uh, a concrete arch bridge, in, in my mind, especially you know when you're doing a layout. So let's see, John, you're a daylight fan, so you're an SP guy. Um, Matt R is probably a union Pacific guy because I bought his Burlington Northern SD forties, <laughs> um, maybe a BNSF guy, but based on an earlier comment about, uh, John using big boy words, I'm going to go with UP. Um, <laughs> And the other, Matt, you haven't said a single thing about the trains other than you like the videos. So, phew, you're in New York Central. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong.
2: I mean, take any of the East Coast stuff and throw 90s into it. You know, like, like I said earlier, you know, Proto 1 and the early, you know, early stuff. I'll take that all day long.
3: So, yeah, you're spot So, so you're, you're a Conrail guy. <laughs> uh, oh my! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I East Coast, you know,
0: modern
1: yeah, East really. Coast,
2: East Coast '90s. Yeah, I guess.
0: And <laughs> and uh,
1: chrome rims. Matt likes it. Yeah.
0: And you were pretty spot on. I'm, I, I'm up in in Santa Fe. Um, I, I don't, I don't go, I don't go east of of, of Indiana. Like the, the, nothing, zero. Gotcha. I don't, I don't gotcha. go there. Yeah, well, I don't go I'll, that way.
3: <laughs> yeah, for for three rail, I'm just a I'm a Bn guy. You know, I, I was a, I was an H O B n guy when I was in high school, and I'm I'm still a sucker for Burlington Northern. But it, it's got to be scale stuff. You know, it's it's, it's scale sized. I'm I'm not uh, the semi scale stuff does absolutely nothing for me. If you if only you knew how much semi scale stuff I threw away in customer service, you, you'd probably all start having nightmares about now.
0: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm still too like i can't i've i've recently just started moving more into the transitional area uh, era which is why i've been kind of like letting go of some of my more modern stuff but like um like one of my favorite just sets that i have is the lionel did the e8s with the 21 inch passenger cars and for in burlington northern and i absolutely just love those things to death And, uh, those will be buried with me in my coffin, obviously, because I would, I'll never let those go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, again, I'm a huge BN guy too. Love, love, love the cascade green, you know, can't go wrong. Yeah, no, that's it's
1: good. Good, good guesses. Those that was that was that was, yeah. that was exactly spot yeah, on. So good. points kind of to you. Should be should start awarding points on this on our podcast now, right?
0: <laughs> well, at least for the forty third episode. We'll, we'll, I, in fact, we'll call them Johnny Points. So, <laughs> all right. There we go.
3: New segment. Johnny, that was that's a great suggestion, except uh, my guess now is that all of those questions are going to default to you. So you've got a lot of homework to do for your next guest because you can't ask them the same questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is true.
1: (laughs) I got to I got to do my research Stay up till uh, four in the morning. Think of the the perfect question to stump people, even though Matt (laughs) said this isn't 60 minutes here and and all that. Providing
3: you're not ballasting (laughs) a switch. Because you'll oh, be no. having nightmares then. No, it's a,
1: a significant <laughs> emotional event is, is the best way to phrase it. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's that was awesome. Thank, thank you for the laughs. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And I'll I'll hand the rings back over to the Mats if they want to add anything in there. I think Matt Z wants to to chip in there.
3: Well, well hey, Tony, congratulations on being the sole employee now in the Matt and Matt podcast.
1: <laughs> I am the CEO and all the staff. <laughs> oh, that, means, that means I have to edit this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Matt, you want your job back? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll take
2: it back. <laughs> so real quick, um, I just, you know, like I said, think of, think of questions as we go, of course. So I know that, Matt, you asked this question a lot, and you, you did not ask this tonight, so I'm going to ask it. Uh, Mike, where do you see the uh, model railroad hobby in the next 10 years?
3: Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, you know... I was with I was with uh, 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 I was with Scott Griggs down in down in Atlanta a couple months ago, and uh, I was working with his I was working with his group of technicians and and somebody somebody had asked me a question w- which is similar to that you know what what's the what, I think the question was you know what's the ratio of uh, of three rail hobbyists out there you know uh, in terms of in terms of you know age demographics. And I said, "You'll." And I told him that he will never know, and I'll never know. Um, You you take guys like myself. You know, people people from my generation. I'm 49 years old. People from my generation typically don't belong to social clubs like the generation before me. Or the generation before them, right? Train clubs, um, Knights of Columbus, R- Rotary, those types of things. You, you know, you guys most likely all have social media uh, accounts and are active on social media. I, I, I don't. That 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 whole thing just passed me by. I, I never did any of that. Um, so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of customers, a lot of young customers out there that have families. They're young, you know. They're they're not. They're not choking up $7,000 in pre-orders every time a catalog comes out, but they're, they're buying, right? They're, they're buying off the internet. They're buying from a very small mom and pop shop. Um, they're buying off the secondary market uh, where things are a little bit less money. Um, so what's the future look like? I think, I think the hobby will still be here. Will it see the same amount of new product coming out? like the flurry it's been for the last two years. No, I don't see that. At some point, you know, the, um, the financial status in America is going to change in terms of, in terms of, um, uh, what's the right word? Um, you know, extra money to spend on your hobbies. So I don't think, I, I don't think the number of products people are going to be buying brand new are going to, are going to outweigh the number of used products people are buying or secondary market products people are buying. Um, it's still going to be here. Uh, there's still going to be manufacturers. I just think that the offerings that they're going to, the, you know, the, the offerings in each catalog are going to get smaller um, especially looking 10 years down the road. I mean, I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but I think, I think that's the direction it's going, you know, in, in the model railroad industry as a whole, really all hobby industries, but certainly ours has um, seen a giant boom in the last two, two and a half years uh, as a result of COVID. Right. I mean, people staying home, people making more of an investment in something they can do at home. And, uh, and you know, the model railroad, model railroad hobby is, is ideal for that. Um You know, now that that's slacking off a bit and things are changing, um, you know, it'll be good for a while. You know, inflation is definitely kicking our butts right now. So that's obviously going to have an impact on future spending. But uh, will the hobby be here? Yeah, it'll be here. Uh, Will it be the same players? Uh, You know, it's going to see the same transition I watched happen when I went to my first York show in 1995. No, 1993 was my first York show. Um, you know, I was a I was a I was a kid and, um, y- you know, there were all these adults, m- most of which, you know, a, a large percentage of those adults are no longer with us. Right. And there's been people to replace them and then there's been people to replace them. And, you know, it, it will continue. But I, I think most people are going to do it more in a lone wolf setting and a social media setting than they will in any type of, of large clubs like the Jersey high railers or the, you know, the, the larger clubs like that. So we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong. And no. I have spoken. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was
2: a, that was a good answer. Really, really. Uh, uh, That's great. Great answer.
0: All right, well, um, we, We'll probably just start wrapping it up then. Uh, so I'll just say just write out Mike thanks for for coming on the Johnny podcast which is what it'll be called yeah. now but uh, yeah th- thanks th- thank you so much for coming on the podcast we appreciate your time um, and uh, just hopefully uh, you you know in the future uh, we'd love to have you back on as well uh, you're just fantastic to talk to and, and you just have you're just kind of Uh, overflowing with knowledge and uh, you're definitely the type of person that we like to have on here. Just, just to casually talk about the industry.
3: If it's any consolation, my eyes are brown too. Okay.
0: (laughs) 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 But uh, with that said, um, let's just, uh, let's just take us out. Um, Mike, and like we do for everybody on our podcast, all of our guests, we want to make sure you can, I know you said you don't have too much social media stuff, but um, feel free to um, let people know uh, about train works and uh, the MTH parts.
3: Yeah, sure. So, you know, the, if you want to keep up on on what we're doing at, at TW TrainWorks, works, the best place to go is just dot uh, blog.traindame.com. It's uh it's Dorsey's blog. She's constantly posting, po- posting pictures of, uh, you know, current jobs in the shop, installations, um, not too many pictures from my shop because I've got Jeep parts everywhere and then train layouts. So my, uh, my, my background, my, the backgrounds for the stuff going on in this shop are not the greatest, uh, but more so in Dallas. Um, and then, you know, just, uh, mthpartsandsales.com. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the sole source for, Mth parts and you know I've only got another eh, ten years worth of work to do before all the parts are actually in the system and available for purchase, but you know hey wish list <laughs> <laughs>
0: um Johnny, how about yourself?
1: You can find me at Automus on YouTube. That's A-U-D-A-M-U-S. You can find me there screaming at inanimate objects, getting hit in the face, and occasionally I'll make a video. I swear I do make videos at, at some point in the year. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Autumus underscore trains and on Facebook with the same name. Uh, you'll find me posting there a lot more frequently, uh, though it looks like I've been hitting a dry spell recently. You can also reach out to me on Instagram and on the Matt and Matt Discord, where you can find me in the voice chats and uh, looking at everybody's posts. And the text chats,
0: uh, Matt Z. How about yourself?
2: Uh, real quick, uh, Mike. Really big thanks. This was a lot of fun. Really had a great time tonight.
3: Thanks. Yeah, it was a good time. Good time. And you yeah. know, I think the I think the next video that Johnny films should be me coaching him on how to ballast a switch. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Yeah. That'd, be, that'd,
2: be, that'd be something.
1: Yeah, I want to quickly hop in real quick, but uh, thank yeah. you so much for joining us tonight. My my sides hurt from laughing so much, so I hope we can have you as a guest again soon.
3: Well, thanks. It's It really has been a lot of fun. And somebody, someone's got to put the fun in funeral. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love that. Alrighty. righty. Uh, so you can find me on YouTube under Matt dash train lover 9943 uh, Facebook under the same name. Instagram as Matt's dot hobbies. And like Johnny said, I'm in the discord. Usually I'm editing a sound set because, you know, that's what I do. And I have a fun time with those. But uh, that's that for you.
0: Uh, and yeah, just to kind of bank on the discord. I know I didn't mention it in the beginning, but uh, folks, it's free doesn't cost any money. You, you click a link, you check a box. It says, yeah, I'll be a good person. And uh, bam, you're in the discord. You're talking to uh, uh, other people in the industry, a lot of big YouTubers. You're talking to us, uh, talking about like we did tonight with uh, with Mike, just talking about the industry, posting pictures, posting photos. It's a fun time. It's a great time. Uh, you that link will be in the show notes. You just click it. Like I said, it's easy. Uh, as for myself, you can find me on YouTube at West Chicago model railroad. I'm on Facebook under the same name. And then I'm also on Instagram under WCMRR. And one last thing, uh, we will be, uh, answering all of the questions and, um, talking about some of the reviews on our next episode. So we're giving it an extra episode for folks to get in your information. So please, if you have any comments, uh, please email, email us, a link will be in the show notes. And then of course, Please leave us a review on any of the podcasting websites you can. It really helps the podcast. Let's people know that you like us. And uh, we, again, appreciate everybody out here that listens to our podcasts. You know, we're here doing this because of you. Uh, You guys drive us to make these podcasts, and we love doing it, and we want to keep on doing it. So thank you for that. And um, with that said, everyone have a wonderful night.
2: Take good care.
1: Take care, everybody. Have you good, guys? Thank you.